Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. Good afternoon, out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live from Washington, D.C., at our new home here at Podcast Village, 2300 Wisconsin Avenue, here in Upper Georgetown. Joining me, they do every show. He is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for Foreign Trade, worked on the last count for presidents. He is the man we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And joining us as he does periodically, he is the former Joe Biden Democratic operative and longtime attorney here in Washington, D.C. He is the man we know as Dan Littner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. In studio with us is our associate producer, Manny. Hey, Manny. Thank you for joining us as always. Hi, Justin. How are you? And out in the undisclosed locations of upstate New York, Audrey Howerton, our producer, and of course, our executive producer, uh, Deb is somewhere. Hopefully, she's supposed to be here, but she's not feeling well. We hope you feel better, Deb Chandler. Uh, let's get to it. Nikki Haley today announced her resignation from the Trump administration. This is a big deal. The most amazing thing uh, uh, to me about all of this is that she apparently told the president a week ago, and the world learned today. That's pretty unusual. Usually For stuff Trump leaks out. <laughs> uh, other other senior officials didn't know, apparently. So th- there's been very little thinking about who might replace her. That doesn't mean people aren't speculating about it, but we don't know. Yeah. Trump forgot. I, Trump, I, I mean, seriously, that, that's the only <laughs> thing that could possibly make sense in all this. But Dan Littner, I, I mean, from... From the macro view, is this a huge hit for Trump? Leading? I mean, because her leaving at like a, literally a month to the day before midterms, which is going to be an absolute dumpster fire. Why now? Why this time? And why after the probably the biggest victory lap he's had in his administration? And that's the confirmation of Kavanaugh. I am certain we will not know for quite a while exactly what the real reason is. I am also certain the reasons stated are not the real reason. There is something else going on. Well, elaborate on on that. What are you talking about? So Nikki Haley has a political future in the Republican Party. Uh, She has a political future just in national politics. She's already said said no to 2020. She's not going to run. She said that in front of Trump. She said in 2020, I'll be here politicking for this guy, this guy being the president. Yep, and nobody is ever lied in Washington, D.C. about their aspirations in the future. Nope, not Alan, do you agree with Dan's assessment of this? Well, my take on this is that uh, she's 
she needs some money. She's got a child in college, another one on the way to college. They, she and her husband. She gets in state tuition at USC. They, big deal. They don't have a lot of resources, and she's got a chance to go make some serious money, travel the country, explore future opportunities in politics or, or other things. Fox I think news. it's, I think it's pretty exhausting when you live in New York. It's not, a, it's not great living up there. But we can get into that if you want. Um, and uh, and she's got John Bolton in the White House. He used to be the, the the U.S. ambassador in the U.N. He and and Secretary of State Pompeo are pretty assertive, pretty aggressive. Whereas she used to have to deal with Rex Tillerson and the president. Now she has to deal with with uh, Pompeo Bolton and the president, and she's tired, and she'd like to have some money, oh, and she'd like to And don't forget, she's future. also got to deal with uh, Ivanka. She's also got to deal with um, the son-in-law. She's got to deal with I think they're the, everybody else. I think they're the least of her problems in, in her current role, but it maybe maybe there's more there than, than meets the eye. Anyway, this stuff wears you down. Um and if you're up in uh, the U.N., it's a, a bit of a solitary existence, too. And then if you have a new guy in the White House who said, you need to do this and you need to do that, I'm thinking about John Bolton in particular, although there's not reports that they aren't getting along, but Bolton is not going to just be a potted plant and sit aside you, and let do her you, do her you stuff. you think there might have been tension there? I think there's there is natural tension there, given his role and his prior experience. But I'm not saying that that's it. I think there are probably numerous factors. She talked about being a believer in term limits. Now she hasn't been in the job for for two years, so that's a little bit of a stretch uh, on that one. But it. But I think for me that means I'm tired, and this is not a bad time for for me to move on. Earn some money, look over the the national situation, regional situation. So, it it didn't it it surprised me, but it didn't shock me. Dan, I mean, we can go through the entire litany of possible theories, which we will at some point during this segment. But the reality is, does Trump now with the departure of Nikki Haley, does Trump now have a for lack of a better term, a woman problem in senior leadership. Well, you could have ended with a woman problem because, yeah, he does. Um, as far as senior leadership, I mean, I'm sure Ivanka would like the job and move back to New York. Uh, Jared, the way Jared getting, probably would. Um, well, but that doesn't solve the aforementioned woman problem unless oh, there's something true. you know about Jared that I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that said, uh, Nikki Haley is absolutely an astute political figure. And I have a strong suspicion that the timing could very well is simple the, the fact that the elections are coming up. And while this White House has no shortage of stepping all over itself to create new news along the way with whatever issues are of the day, the elections are going to be happening in a month and her leaving is going to be swallowed up instantaneously by other news. So if you want to go out quietly, this is the way to go. Alan, I, I mean, it, there's not a lot of real senior leadership in the White House, per se, uh, other than uh, three cabinet officials that I can count that are female. I mean, there, there's not a lot of huge diversity in that realm in the cabinet. How does Donald Trump offset this? Does he pay? And, and, and well, let me reverse this. 
does does the idea of him picking Ivanka help his issue? You just picked your daughter to be the UN ambassador. That's gonna have that's gonna have some blowback. I don't see that happening. So, I mean, it it there's it, a lot it, of things we don't see happening with this administration. Well, no, but 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 I, I think that's an unlikely one. That's one that popped up as a possible rumor. Um, they have small kids that are in school in D.C. Um, the there's there's only one job up there, not two. Um, I think both of those, uh, both mother, mother and father, are heavily engaged in in uh, in raising those two children. So there's there's some some logistical challenges just off uh, at the get go. And then, as you point out, it it's it, it, it's traits of this this nepotism uh, notion. It's one thing if they are in the White House, in roles where they're taking on particular assignments, but they're not assigned a significant job where they oversee some piece of, uh, of, of the government. So I think they like things as they are. I would be very surprised if either one of them were, were sent to the New York. Dan, looking at Nikki Haley, um, did she was not an original supporter of Trump. Going into the 2016 elections, not only was she not an original supporter, I think she said some pretty negative things about his campaign. Well, I was, I was trying points. to be—I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be diplomatic, but apparently that did not work. Uh, Are you saying you want the uh, ambassador? I don't job? want the, no. First of all, I w- could you imagine me going through a Senate confirmation? You'd be more diplomatic than Trump. I, well, would, would would you defend me in a Senate confirmation, Alan? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot, dude. Appreciate that. Oh, that's the show for today. Have a nice one. Uh, when we're talking about Nikki, it all depends on the job. Just it all okay. depends on the job. Okay. Well, the, well, he didn't necessarily mean the U.S. Senate, like a Senate, a Senate, a Senate confirmation. That's true. Could be Venezuelan Senate, for all we know. Anyway, going back to Nikki Haley, getting back on track. When Nikki Haley was not an original supporter of Trump. Nikki Haley, like you pointed out, said some pretty disparaging things. End of the day, she ends up in a fairly significant role inside the administration as UN ambassador. Is there a possibility that Nikki Haley just said, look, I'm done having this stench around me. I want out. I have bigger things in 15, 20 years. Yes, I mean, I, I'm on the record of saying I think Nikki Haley is the person that authored the uh, uh, op-ed in the New York Times. I honestly believe she is planning on her political future. This is not an accident that she is leaving. She is one of the handful of people in this administration that has managed not to have the stench cover them so fully that they can, can't possibly escape it. Even the issues she's had, I'm trying to remember uh, which member of the administration she actually butted heads with publicly who said she was misunderstood or misremembered something, and she pushed back hard publicly, and she won the battle. She actually got a public retraction. It was a Twitter war. It was a a Twitter war, a text war between the White House and Nikki Haley, and she said, I, I, I... do not have to unremember stuff, or I forget the exact. I don't. I don't forget things. I don't but, forget things. But it, but it was. But but Dan's right. There was a. It was a particular person. It wasn't just quote White House. There was a. I want to say it was like the U.S. Trade Advisor. It, or it was uh, no. It wasn't. Oh, uh, I, 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 I'll tell it? you who it was. Who was it? It was either. Um, I thought you didn't forget things. Though. Oh, I. For, oh, oh my God! Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. I for, no, no, believe me. I forget <laughs> stuff all the time. 
Trust me on that. I am amazed you don't know that. Um, but I forgot about it. It doesn't uh, speak very well of your memory, but... But anyway, no, I forget stuff all the time. But it was it was uh, it was either the new economic guy or the trade guy that Navarro. Oh, it yeah, was either yeah, Navarro yeah, yeah, yeah. or what Cudlow. Yeah, um, I think it was one of them, and it might have been Cudlow who who said something about. Well, I think she maybe mis- misremembered, and she said, uh, "I I don't misremember right, things like right. that." Right. But we're, but the real takeaway from that was not only did she win the war, she got a very public retraction and apology. She won it, and she won it clearly. She knows what she's doing. Doing. But but there's always been this love-hate relationship, at least from what I've been told by people I've talked to in, inside the White House, a love-hate relationship between Trump and Nikki Haley. Does does is Nikki Haley forever attached to Donald Trump's administration? Can she separate herself out without her, you know, without it being Trump's UN ambassador. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, she she's in New York and she's at the UN and she has this separate identity. She's still she's Trump's got, UN ambassador. Uh, absolutely, but she's got high visibility. Um, she was known for being somebody who was highly critical of him during his campaign, um, but who was persuaded to come into the government. After the New York Times op-ed by the anonymous person who said there's a bunch of us in there who try to protect her, protect uh, the president from himself, protect the country from the president, uh, she she went public saying that's not the way to do that. If I have it, people, when people were suggesting maybe Nikki Haley, she said, I wouldn't write that. I think that would be totally wrong. I have a great relationship with the president. When I disagree with him, I can call him on the phone. I could come to Washington. I can talk to him. I can tell him why I disagree. And that's the way you do it. Um, so, and, and I'm guessing that, that, uh, that she was not lying about that. Um, it would, it would be a stupid lie because there would be people who would know it was a lie. And that's not the kind of lie you like laying around in Washington. Yeah. And, 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 and I agree with that. But here, here's the other question though is, uh, can she win back females in any political future she has without it coming back as, again, I keep using this phrase, Trump's UN ambassador. So prior to being Trump's UN ambassador, she was a- Very successful governor. Very successful governor, but not only that, each time she made national news, she's one of the handful of people not to trip over themselves when delivering a response to the State of the Union address. Um, As we all know, this is where politicians go to die when uh, responding to the State of the Union address. She also, in response to the horrible shooting that uh, that, that occurred in, in- In the church in Charleston, correct. She did something that nobody else has managed to do prior. Take the Confederate flag down. And by the way, do it without huge damage to her popularity in the state. So that we, is an impressive wait, 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 wait. move. That is an impressive move. But that, and and for both of you, how does Nikki Haley manage to maintain her Trump-based qual book after all of the things that defy Trumpism? The Trump base will dissipate after Trump dissipates. It's just a matter of when. The people that were with Bush, uh, forty-three. Um, or hell or high water, then the high water came and they left. So the Trump folks will be the exact same thing. And the the next shiny thing that Republicans choose can, to 
to uh, hitch their wagon to. Hopefully will be something significantly better than Donald Trump. And Nikki Haley is not an unreasonable choice. You you agree with that, Alan? I I, I do agree with that. That that uh, uh, she's she wasn't destroyed in her in working for Donald Trump. She's not Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who has worked very closely and has been tainted again and again and again for appearing. She's to, not Kellyanne Conway or Kellyanne Conway, but uh, she had her she had her own portfolio. And she de- she delivered on it very well. Um, uh, she's more she was more visible than say Elaine Chao. Elaine Chao is not somebody that you hear about and you say, oh my God, uh, her her uh, reputation is destroyed forever. She's relatively invisible. She that's clearly by her choice, and she can run the department without a lot of interference. It's not as high visibility as a as a position. Um, and she didn't come in with the the sort of baggage that a Betsy DeVos came in, where it appeared nobody as liked her. Nobody liked her. <laughs> a number of re- Republicans voted against her. Um, she simply seemed not up to the job. And even though Nikki Haley had not had of uh, the kind of uh, foreign policy experience that we normally expect from. Uh, from people who take over the UN ambassadorship, she's a she's a fast learner. She acknowledges uh, her ignorance. She keeps her head down, learns some stuff, and takes everything one step at a time. I keep hearing everybody in D.C. talk about Nikki Haley's legacy as UN ambassador. I, to me, that just sounds like total crap. She's forty six years old. She's she is a young. She is she is a young strong, powerful political machine, in my opinion. When we talk about a legacy, are, are we are we selling Nikki Haley short when we talk about her legacy as UN ambassador? I think saying her legacy is linked to the UN is misstating her political achievements in total. It's not a bad thing to have on your resume, former governor and former uh, UN ambassador. Right. It, it puts you, it gives you your credentials on the world, on the world stage. Gives you a certain for, bona fides. Absolutely. For whatever next step sh- she would like to do, that is, there's no bad part of that for her future, even if it's not a political future, as Alton was pointing out, that if she's looking to cash in, there are plenty of ways of cashing in. And again, coming back to the uniquely unstained by the Trump administration, she can actually parlay this, her contacts with global leaders for into the boardroom of major corporations and saying, this is what I have to bring to the table. Okay, Most other Trumpies can't do that because they have so alienated the rest of the world. It, 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 I mean, the way Dan's making it sound, Alan, is that Nikki Haley is a pink unicorn in this whole thing. I've never understood pink unicorns, so I can't really respond. They 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 are very rare and tend to not exist. In that, in, Do in they that need to be regard, pink to not exist. She's. <laughs> I'm really getting judged on the using the analogy of pink unicorn. I've used yeah. this on the show a bunch of times. I know, and we've let you go all this time. Wow! Like now you're calling out pink unicorn. We're not Thanks. in the same room, right? Thanks. So, oh, okay. So the eye rolls are now visible. So. <laughs> there you Continue, have it. Continue, Alan. There you have it. Continue. She she was not tainted by a, a, a big event, by some fundamental embarrassment. Give the president some credit 
for taking a person who was highly critical of her, of him, during during the campaign and saying, come on, come on in, right. take this job, and, and persuading her. Now, it's not like there, there's, there's no precedent for a newly elected president to bring in somebody who is critical. Let's see. When Barack Obama was elected, he took... Hillary Clinton, his opponent, his his deadly enemy, um, his mortal enemy, if you will, in their in their uh, in their big fight, um, and said, "Come take the State Department for me." Um, and uh, I, there was, I think, more awkwardness in that marriage, if you will, than with Nikki Haley, because the the UN job is just not as crucial and in the middle of everything the way the state department right. is let's let, let's go down the let's go down the crazy train rabbit hole for a second and talk at the theories that have literally come out in the hours and we are talking hours since Nikki Haley has officially resigned as UN ambassador theory number 1 uh, Trump is going to wait till after the midterms. Sessions will leave, resign as attorney general. He will make Lindsey Graham the attorney general, and Nikki Haley will be appointed as the next senator from South Carolina. Alan Moore? Uh, no, I think... I think that- Really? Oh, hold on. Dan, I will stomp on that thing in a heart... I told you to turn that off, dude. I told you I can't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> no, so, so, oh, man, my life. So, Lindsey Graham, um, <laughs> as I said last week, when he, the question was, was was he was he trying out uh, in his audition in for his, one uh, an audition? And I said, no, he doesn't need to audition. He could be Attorney General. He could probably be Secretary of Defense. He doesn't want either one of those. And then this week, that's what he has said. So, I don't see him doing that. He'd rather be a senator. And he, he really knows, thinks so. Absolutely. He knows very well what it means to be an a, an attorney general, a secretary of defense. He's on the Armed Services Committee. He's on the Judiciary Committee. And he's been a U.S. senator. He loves being a U.S. senator. And he knows that as long as he can uh, maintain a base in South Carolina, he can be a senator as long as he wants. Strom Thurmond was a senator until he was a hundred years old, which I'm not guessing that 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 uh, Lindsey Graham wants to go for that, for that record. But uh, as long as he maintains his his base, I think that this really is fulfilling for him. If you join an administration, right, um, especially a Trump administration, yeah. you don't have any any job security. Alan and uh, Dan, you're not you buying this. That Lindsey Graham doesn't want any, any of those jobs in yeah. this administration? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the analysis that we've all been circling around is the Trump administration muddies whoever is associated with it, and part of Nikki wait, Haley's wait, wait, success wait, wait, wait. is not getting dirtied by it, which is not an insignificant thing in this Lindsay, administration. Lindsey Graham did not dirty himself over the past couple of weeks with this whole Kavanaugh thing. That What has he got to lose? I wouldn't say that, but in the in the form that the Trump administration really disgraces people who had otherwise sterling credentials, right? Nikki Haley stands above. Okay, Lindsey Graham for w- what occurred for the Kavanaugh confirmation is not exactly different from the current status quo in Washington. It was unfortunate. I wish he Lindsey Graham showed himself to be more of a statesman, which he has in the past. This was not his finest hour, and including some of the 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 turns right. of phrase he chose to rattle well, off, uh, that that 
didn't do anyone any favors. Okay. Other other rumors we've heard. Uh, Nikki Haley is going to take the open CEO position at Pepsi. Nikki Haley is going to be the next president of the University of South Carolina. Does that make sense for Nikki? Do any of those make sense for Nikki Haley? You know, I think she's uh, going to have some Not op- that any of these are options. true. These are just rumors that oh, are floating no, 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 around no. D.C. And they uh, make sense. Pepsi, no, not in a million years. She does not have any, begin to have the credentials to, to, to be CEO of a, of a major U.S. company like that. But uh, a university presidency, sure. But I don't see her being in an immediate hurry. The world is just. She's become, still got to make money. She's still got to put those kids through college. She's got a book deal guaranteed. She's going to make money, and she's probably going to be a talking head, and she's probably going to travel the country, and she'll do a book, and it may be something where she doesn't want a full time day job. She can probably make plenty of money right. with paid speeches, um, a book, um, a couple of corporate boards. Um, and talking heads uh, 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 opportunities. We can where invite she will her onto the show. We can get her. I'd love it. I'll yeah. tell you what. Right now, if 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 Ambassador Nikki Haley is listening to this show, Ambassador Haley, you have an open invitation to come on Backroom Politics. You can find us here at our studios at Podcast Village, twenty four hundred uh, Wisconsin Avenue Northwest. Call us. We'd love to have you. Very you lucrative. Three, all the Pepsi you can all, drink. All, well, <laughs> dear, uh, yeah, the sparkling. They got good strawberry-flavored sparkling water. You never had that anywhere else. Anyway, but if you are listening, Ambassador uh, Haley, uh, you, you are always welcome on Backroom Politics. Um, final five minutes coming up on this on this segment of the show. Who takes her place? Alan? Boy, I don't know. Alan Moore. I, 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 no, I, I'm, I'm thinking it won't be anybody at the table. Um, uh, with all, <laughs> oh, wait, with, no, wait with a all respect, Manuela. Well, um, Manuela not being a U.S. citizen, I mean, that would be a little odd. I don't think it's a requirement. Uh, but what, for uh, a U.N. ambassador, it is for your T.S. clearance. I, I, what I, anyway, I, I don't, we as digress. I, as I said before, I do not expect it to be either... Uh, Ivanka Trump or Jared Kushner. I don't. I don't. Ivanka's out. I, I don't think that's. I don't see that happening for the reasons I stated earlier. I don't know. It's just. It's. It's. It's uh, an open, uh, open, interesting opportunity. I mean, there's people like. Um, these, this is a name pops into my mind. So Sam Brownback, who did not have the greatest exp- uh, uh, <laughs> time as governor of Kansas with his uh, his tax cut experiment, is at the State Department in a senior <laughs> level. Um, he's he he's got some international chops. Uh, he's got some visibility. I don't know how he he's, gets along. He's with ambassador Pompeo. to Germany now. No, 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 no. 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 He's it, it's a made-up ambassadorship. It, it, it's, oh, it's it's a, it's not an it, well. It may be an ambassadorship, but it's sort of assistant secretary level dealing right, right. with 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 religious affairs. Um, and so he's an advocate for um for humane treatment, partic- right. particularly of Christians, but not just Christians. Um, I, really. It, it, he, and, he, 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 Yes. Back is yes. Aware yes. Of other other religions other than uh... yes, yes, Dan. Yes, <laughs> I actually admired uh, Sam Brownback a lot. Sam Brownback was very involved in global health, globally HIV, HIV AIDS back when he was in the Senate. I know that will be a shock to you because it's more fun to trash these guys. But but uh, so he's he'd wow. be an, he'd be an interesting. Uh, uh, 
possibility. There is this woman problem. I mean, if if you if you don't have a lot of senior women and you lose one of them, then there is some pressure to at is least there consider. Anybody, is women. there anybody out there that could? For lack of a better term, fill the shoes of Nikki Haley the way she did. I mean, look, Nikki Haley was very appropriate for that job. I mean, she it turns out she aced that job, and that wasn't guaranteed. No, 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 it in. was a risk. You know, it was a risk. She she was a, a, a successful political figure in a challenging state. I mean, she could, she could. I mean, she could smooth over things and then also drop a hammer very quickly, as we saw in the Libyan situation, the Russian situation, without being prompted by Foggy Bottom, the State Department, or the White House. She just, it was almost like it was a natural instinct to her. You know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just suddenly thinking of another guy, a former congressman, Mike, Mike Rogers, who ran the the House, House Intelligence Intel? Committee, no. was a name who popped up uh, for state, for CIA. Um, he's been critical of the president. But this president has shown from time to time, as he did with Nikki Haley, some willingness. Because if if you look for skilled people, it's hard to find really skilled people who weren't at some point uh, negative towards right. you. Here's what shocked me, though. Proof positive that this either, as you put it, the president had a senior moment and went, oops, forgot she told me that on the phone, or they got completely caught flat-footed at the White House with Nikki Haley's announcement today. That he did not, usually when you have somebody that you like, you have somebody that you like and you're going to let him go. Because usually if he doesn't like you, he's either going to force you to resign, he's going to fire you on Twitter or leave you on a tarmac in L.A. He did none of those things. They actually had a nice little almost, you know, head of state meet President Trump type moment in the high back chairs in the Oval Office. The, they had nobody ready to go. I think that this is a job where it would be interesting to see what the outcome of this uh, this fall's elections are. There may be some people of some quality on the Republican side who suddenly are available for uh, for other work. Dan? Yeah, that's actually not an unreasonable point. I'd forgotten about all the Republicans that are quitting. Uh, <laughs> and that list is not do you, short. Do you think do you wait, wait, do you think that like Jeff Flake is going to get the UN ambassador's job? No, I don't think it's going to be Jeff Flake, but there's a the U.N. ambassador's job can be very high profile, but is not always high profile. We've right. had a lot of U.N. ambassadors that right. people could not name to save their lives. I don't know the full history of Shirley Temple Black when she was made U.N. ambassador. Um, off the top of my head, my first instinct is her credentials may have been a little right. iffy. That said, seemingly she rose to the occasion. She was the a great, actually, I, by all accounts, she was a fairly solid ambassador. She had been an ambassador uh, to an, a foreign an ambassador before in Europe, and I can't remember where. So she she was, you know, we think about her. It's like at, Belgium when, or Luxembourg when she was or something seven like that. Year, yeah. Seven years old, but she had a grown-up life, too. Yeah. yeah. The, the good ship lollipop yeah. was not the only thing. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, last uh, 30 seconds before we go to break, does Nikki Haley run for president in 2020 or 2024? One of those two, absolutely. Alan? Not 2020. Not 2020. Um, 2024, maybe, sometime. I don't know. Correct you answer. Know, she, she could also get, be, you know, be on a ticket. Um, 
Maybe yeah. maybe Trump will replace Pence with Nikki Haley. You, you want, I, there's something I'm going to go over the the break real quick. <laughs> yeah, okay. God, the grand God conspiracy of the people oh, in the CIA grand. and FBI that want you, Mike Pence to be right president. Now. I will tell you this right now. I had a conspiracy go through my head right now. This is proof. I don't think I don't think Donald Trump's going to run in 2020. Well, you've heard me predict that yeah, in the yeah, past. Yeah. And so, I, but this morning proved be it because opening. I think this is the is the bailout bottle he needs. He doesn't need a bailout bottle. Not this guy. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I just think that he that that, that I think he's setting I, it I up. I still for. think there's a good chance that he won't run. He won't run. If that's the case, then she's in. She's she's in. she's certainly. Uh, in a position to and think Pence hard about. Pence won't get it because nobody likes Pence in Indiana. What makes you think they're going to like him in the rest of the country? Okay, we're nobody over- likes Trump in New York. Uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> never thought about that too. Irony is cruel. Uh, this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is backroom politics, and we will be back in three minutes. Stay with us.
live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back here live from Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Joining us as they do for every show, Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, our associate producer, Manny, and at an undisclosed location up in upstate New York, Audrey. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Hey, we want to talk about, we, we just got done talking about uh, the breaking news today with Ambassador Nikki Haley's announcement of her resignation. The other big news, obviously, we have to talk about is on Saturday, the Senate confirmed in a 50 to 48 vote to confirm Judge now Justice Brett Kavanaugh to the open vacancy on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, not without drama, because apparently everything in D.C. now has to have some sort of drama to it. Uh, not without some polit- some people falling on their political swords, for lack of a better term. But it was without it was without a doubt probably one of the most disappointing weeks of political statesmanship I've ever seen in my entire life, and I've been doing this for twenty five years. Devoid of statesmanship, you mean? Devoid of statesmanship. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Dan, I just don't even know where to go. <laughs> Looking at, I mean, he was going to get confirmed. Did did it have to happen this way? Did the whole process did this need, whole, to, need did this, to go this way? Did we have to subject Dr. Ford to this this PR ambush? Did we have to subject Judge or Justice Kavanaugh's family to this trauma? Uh, did we have to make the Senate Judiciary Committee look like a soap opera? rather than a political body. As big as a question as that is, I'm not certain it's big enough to encompass everything that occurred with the process, with Judge Kavanaugh, now Justice Kavanaugh, with the Senate Democrats, with the Senate Republicans, with the president, and a outside player that is reportedly really messed with the makeup of things. Michael Avenatti, uh, this is Stormy Daniels' attorney. Attorney, right. um, Based on some of the reporting, seems to have kind of changed the tone of the conversation um, in Kavanaugh's favor because of the outrageous claims. uh, I found it to be untrue, by the way. That are believed to be untrue at the moment, and I suspect they are. And let me be clear and be on the record with that. But- the otherwise seemingly credible that you could conceivably understand the Dr. Ford's approach, Dr. Ford's argument of the things that she remembered and, and happening to rape gangs, as Michael Avenatti's argument went out there, which blew a hole in the credibility and the substance of the argument. You did not hear as much of the same issues about Dr. Ford, which is a much more perilous area for Republicans to have confronted in the moment, not to say they didn't after after the vote was taken and she won, or excuse me, and uh, and uh, Kavanaugh won, then people went some inappropriate places and the president goes inappropriate places all the time. But Avenatti's claim really changed the tone of the conversation. And if you believe what senators have said, 
it changed what they were focused on. So I, I don't know if anyone else has a different take on that, but it seems not unreasonable because I uh, genuinely thought Kavanaugh was uh, going down. I, I got to say, uh, the people I talked to, uh, familiar with it, said that he's going he, he's going to get seated on the bench. Is it going to be ugly? Is it going to be painful? Yes. Alan Moore, I mean, you heard Dan's take on this. I mean, no, I, did we did we have to really go through this? Well, so th- the answer to that question is a no, which I'll return to in a moment. We did not have to go through this. Dan is absolutely right, though, about how uh, Avenatti just soiled the water. It was dirty enough, and this just made it made it even darker. And and he did shift the narrative. But but a, I would argue that no one knew for certain that he was going to uh, prevail. Um, it really did come down to Susan Collins and. Um, and if you listen to people who were close to her, they were getting a few signals, but they weren't absolutely sure. We weren't sure what this uh, this additional FBI investigation was going to produce. Um, and so there was no it was not guaranteed. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened. But we don't have to talk about what's referred to as the counterfactual. But did it have to happen? The answer is no. Here, though, is what it, what what could have happened is when she first tentatively, carefully, cautiously, confidentially reached out. What she was seeking was people to know that there was a dark piece of his history that she thought should be looked at. Maybe other people had had similar experiences. She did not right. want to be visible. There were ways to do all of this behind the scenes with the FBI. It didn't happen that way, and a lot of damage was done as a result. And 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 that, I think, is the problem that I have most about this, Dan, is the fact that the amount of damage, the credibility of the Senate— the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, those who sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Susan Collins. Uh, I think the world of her, I think she is the type of practical Republican that we need. We need more like her. I think that she made a judgment call. I think she made a call that was, she made a call that I believe in, but my, my point being is she's probably the only one on the committee that didn't get completely destroyed in this. I mean, Camilla Harris didn't help herself. Uh, Cory Booker didn't help her, help himself. I disagree with your take how, on, how do you say on, that? on Harris. I still I, think Harris helped herself as far as the Republicans that hate Kamala Harris, they weren't going to be backing her anyway. She's raised her profile in the Democratic Party, and she she took her moments, and she ran with them. Now, you can argue whether or not those moments she had she, run with the the rest of the the American audience, she had an but I would argue that nobody else in the country, other than maybe the people in this room and the people who listen to this show, and I'm not even certain all the people who listen to this show, can name more than three members of the Judiciary Committee. So, no, no, but, but wait a minute. Tell me, look me straight in the eye right now and say that Camilla Harris did not act in a way that was beneficial to her and her future as a potential Democratic candidate for president instead of acting as a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee and keeping 
the integrity of that process whole. It's not clear to me that she said anything terribly outrageous during her questioning on the committee. I mean, I, 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 I'll, I'll take an example if you have it, but I don't. The moments that she had seemed reasonable to me. And and Cory Booker, the same thing. Cory Booker swung and missed, and I don't know if he prepared any of those statements to be his, aha, this is my moment in the sun. Um, if they were, man, he needs new writers. Uh, <laughs> if not, okay, he took the moment on the fly as we do on this show. Cory Booker, you were also uh, – Senator Booker, you were also welcome on the show. Um, <laughs> that said, Booker didn't do himself any favors. Absolutely, he didn't raise but, his profile. What, Kamala but, Harris did. But here's the thing, Alan. I, I want to go to Camilla – I want to go back to Camilla Harris for a second because we, we talked about it. I talked to a couple people familiar with – uh, the committee and those with, particularly with uh, Senator Feinstein, there are some that believe that it was not a staffer in Feinstein's office. In fact, they feel like the leak of the letter actually came from Camilla Harris's office. Uh, if that's the case, does that make her appearance during these past two weeks that much more abhorrent? You know, I'm not. We don't. I mean, we don't know. We're speculating. We we don't know. It might have been um, Dr. Ford's lawyers. It might have been Dr. Ford's friends who she informed. It might have been somebody in the congresswoman's office who first got the the letter. Yeah, I mean, they're they're they're. It's it's like I cannot imagine anybody putting themselves through what they just went through on both sides. No, no, no. I'm saying we don't know who leaked the letter, who leaked her identity. That's That's all. And I'm just going down the list of people who might have done it. I I don't I don't know that it would be Kamala Harris. I kind of doubt it. I'm not saying but her, I but it sounds but, like something her or her staff would do. Well, By the way, big secret: I, Washington leaks. I don't, Things happen. So <laughs> the, the the thing the, the the problem I have is that somebody uh, leaked that information. Likely somebody in Washington, rather than a friend from out west, who she uh, happened to 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 confide in, and that's very troubling um, because a lot of collateral damage was done to 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 Ford and to Kavanaugh that 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 should not have unfolded that way it should not have happened that way the one Kamala Harris moment that was particularly offensive was when she put the question to Brett Kavanaugh about whether he had ever had a conversation with somebody at a particular law firm on I don't even remember a certain date. The, the, it was no, a certain it wasn't date. a date. It was, but it was about a, on a subject. And he looked funny. And she said, "Be very careful how you answer this." It 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 just had all the signs. She knows something. She's got something. It was and, an and, then, and then it was. She better have something because if she doesn't, she's going to look like she was gaming it. And and which and, she and was. Didn't. Which she, she was. was. That's yes, the because moment. Former prosecutors have never gamed no. uh, somebody on the other side of the you table. Dan, no, wait, wait, wait. Dan, when you were trying I, to Dan, bust Dan, out, when you're trying to bust somebody no, no, in court, Dan, when you hold said, on, hold on, hold give on. me no, an no, example. I'm not give, saying in court. No, 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 you the, said, court's a different creature. You said, give me an example of something she did that harmed herself. 
that's my example because no, that no. was way you out there. You she do not gain. She took an enormous amount of grief for that, and that's all. It, yeah. You know, there's video of that. We'll see down the road if it gets used. It, Having said that, Senator Spartacus, Cory Booker, did way more damage. Civility. Civility. We're about civility. It, it, he's, we he don't was, call him names. No, no, he called himself that. He said, I am am Spartacus. (laughs) And so you call him Senator Spartacus? Well, he sounded like he (laughs) wanted to be Spartacus. All right, that's fair then. I'm trying to respect what he apparently wants. Come on, give me a break. (laughs) Give me a break here. But, But, you know, his biggest sin, in my judgment, was back in July. Back in July, when all of these folks were lining up to trash Kavanaugh before they had spoken to him before his hearings, and 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 Cory Booker famously said, "Anyone who supports him is complicit with evil." That was a Cory Booker quote. That is out there, and that is just let me put this out there. Wrong. I want to put this out there. I actually want to agree with Alan. That that, that is one of those moments where, and both both sides are frequently guilty of this trait. However, in this particular case, when talking about a Supreme Court justice, and you're on the Judiciary Committee, starting out at the most extreme, and it's hard to get worse than evil. I'm sure there's a synonym out there somewhere, but it's hard to get actually worse then, and okay, for booker but, to have but started there where do you have to go next once things come out really so it, 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 well, it's a gang, gang rapist serial killer i mean it's like yeah you're way out there wait, 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 wait. Just... first of all first of all let, let's get one thing clear this was a judiciary i'm sick and tired of everybody and particularly on the right, look, I, I was a supporter of Kavanaugh. I still am a supporter of Judge Ka- Justice Kavanaugh. That's not where the inappropriate but, ending No, no, no wait, 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 hold noting. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just finish my thought here. I'm sick and tired of everybody comparing the Judiciary Committee to a court of law. It is not a court of law. I didn't do I, that. No, no, no. You I'm did. Not, I'm, no, no, no. <laughs> I did not. Com- How did I compare it to a court of law? You just did How? when you're when you're a lawyer in a, in a, in a no, courtroom. No, 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 no. You use no, those no, words. No, 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 no. We can go to the tape. The show is recorded. That's not what I'm. No, no. You missed what, exactly what I was saying. What I was trying to say was when you are in, when you are the DA or the Attorney General and you are prosecuting in a courtroom, then you can game. When you are on the judiciary, a senator. No, you can't game in a courtroom. Sure, you can. While you, while you are cross examining in a deposition outside getting, of a courtroom, absolutely you, you can do that. You, you can play that game. You should not be gaming the nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's bottom line, and, Dan. <laughs> have some respect for the position at least. After all, everything that's been said, that's where you want to hang your hat on respect for the position. Really, so, respect for the bench. Why not? What, what, oh, oh, don't give me! Don't give me the, the. Do not give me the judgy look. The the Saturday Night Live joke that was most resonant when talking about the Kavanaugh hearings was the, and uh, I yield my time to the female prosecutor. You can just call me prosecutor. How many times was she referred to as the female right, prosecutor? Well, then, so if you want to talk about the I, integrity whoa, 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 of the system, you know what? I liked it better when you were in the cave. I want to talk to Alan now. <laughs> I really am. Oh, you're cha- uh, you're, you're challenged on substance. No, I'm not, cha- I'm not challenged on substance. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Alan now. No, you're he was taking your non sequitur and exactly. moving elsewhere. Thank you.
Thank you, Alan. Uh, that wasn't a compliment. <laughs> no, I know. I know it wasn't. My thank you was sarcastic. I know. Jesus. Uh, do, now that now that the White House has done a victory lap, everybody, the dust is settled. No, no, wait, wait. That victory lap by itself, that's also something that needs to be addressed. The Judge Kavanaugh being rolled out by the White House is one thing. Justice Kavanaugh, having been approved by the Senate and sworn in, and then partaking in that political event at the White House was arguably wildly inappropriate for him in his new job. For him to have done that that second event in the White House and for Trump's comments that followed with it, absolutely inappropriate for the Supreme Court. Okay, so who who says, if the president says, I want to have them come over. That's nice. And by the way, and the by the Supreme way, and Court by is the a way, co-equal branch wait, of by government. By the way, did you see who was sitting in the East Room for that ceremony? There were lots of people, so <laughs> rattle, <laughs> rattle up the list. Justice Ginsburg, the whole court, the whole court. So, the uh, the the president's remarks were surprise, surprise, inappropriate, over the top, annoying. I don't blame the, the 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 new justice for showing up, uh, for having his family there. It was an event. It was a victory lap. The president ruined it with his inappropriate, uh, over the line partisan comments. But the good thing is, not many people were watching. Now we nor, were nor, watching. Nor, nor did, I saw it. Ha- I saw it unfold by accident. I just watched it because <laughs> I thought this is interesting. And then the, the Redskins were coming on. So, so it, it, I just was shaking my head, but but not at not at uh, the the fact that the that the new justice mm-hmm. was there. The other eight justices real, were all present. real quickly. We've got only a few more minutes left in the show. Can. Is there always going to be an asterisk next to Justice Kavanaugh's name, or can he get past this and actually be a fair and legitimate justice? You can always get past it. It's a lifetime appointment, and there's a lot of things that can happen along the way. He could actually prove himself to be a statesman. He he could be taken with this event and go out of his way to be impartial, to actually reach across to— other members of the court to to to, to actually bridge gaps to actually uh, take the court forward. I agree. Alan, I mean, Alan, is yeah, I, is this an opportunity for Judge 100%, Kavanaugh? 100%. It's an opportunity. Can he take it? Of course. Whether he will, I don't know. We'll see. But I think he's going to get some help from the Chief Justice, who's going to uh, do his level best for the intermediate term. To, he's also got a close to, relationship to Justice Sotomayor, he's, he's, who brought him to Harvard. He's, he's going to... To the chief justice, I think is uh, cares enormously as they all do about the court and how it's perceived. And the last thing that the court needs right now is a super high-profile case of the kind that uh, that everyone assumes they know how the the new court is going to 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 decide. And I think that you're not going to see any high-profile abortion case, for example, right anytime soon. And okay. and the, and, she, and the chief. It's going right, to make gotta, sure that happens. All right, we got we got to take it from here. Uh, as always, Dan Lipner, Alan Moore, uh, Manny, thank you very much. Uh, also to Audrey Howerton, thank you for all your help in the undisclosed location. 
I am your moderator, Justin Russell. We will be back next time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. Live from Washington, D.C., this has been Backroom Politics. You can follow us on Twitter, at Backroom Politics, where you can now listen to our show live. And you can also listen to us on Spreaker, your favorite blog posts. I'm sorry, your favorite podcast posts. You can also listen to us on our old, reliable blogtalkradio.com. And uh, you can also check out our website, www.backroompolitics.org. Have a great have a great time, everybody. We'll see you later in the week. I would be bound forever, and I'd never sever me from you. You won't believe it's true, but I've been missing you. I dream of kissing you. Let's give it one more chance, one more slow dance, heartstrings.
live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live from Washington, D.C. and Podcast Village. I'm your moderator, Justin Russell, joining me as I do for every show. He is the former Biden political operative and longtime Washington insider attorney. He is Dan Littner Esquire. Daniel, hello again. Hello, Justin. And across the table from me as he is, as usual points, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce who served at last count under four presidents. He is the man we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, joining us in studio at some point is uh, Manny, and the undisclosed location producer is always Audrey Howerton. Of course, our executive producer, we have to give a shout out to Deb Chandler. Uh, Rob, behind the glass in the cave, thanks for helping us out as always. Let's get to it. The news coming out of the economy this week. So Ford announces that they are out a billion dollars because of Trump tariffs. Uh, it is now causing Ford to reevaluate several business options that they're making, but they've announced as of this week they will be reducing their middle management semi-white collar staff by as much as 12%. That, on top of the billion-dollar loss, they have come out and said this is strictly, and I'm paraphrasing, Trump's fault. Uh, this is not good news for an administration that literally has been riding like the big kahuna on a wave of economic prosperity in this country that we haven't seen in a long time. But they have not been riding a Harley on that wave. No, because they would be tariffed. That would, that would be taxed <laughs> anywhere else. Uh, it is, it, it, it's a strange, I, I think that this is going to be the first of several strange news points coming in about the economy where we're going to see great numbers. Uh, the jobs numbers were they were solid. They weren't at uh, anywhere near what the uh, analysts had thought, but they were solid numbers. We're at below four percent unemployment, which means that we're effectively all employed. Uh, Alan Moore, where I mean, are we starting to see a crack in the armor as far as this economy goes? Is Ford the first of what will probably be? Uh, further economic issues that we're going to have to deal with. You know, th- th- there's a couple things here. We- we've been on a on a on a solid roll for a good while, and we we don't need to lament the number of new jobs created because the unemployment rate has dropped to uh, uh, historic lows for the recent past. So. If it's if we created one hundred and forty thousand dollars, uh, one hundred and forty thousand jobs, and thought that might be one hundred and eighty thousand, but we're down to three point seven percent, it's hard to be complaining about the lack of new jobs coming in. Having said that, uh, this is not sustainable f- forever. Ford's situation is is an unusual one because the auto industry is always unusual. Ford is trying to make cars that people will actually buy. And that means they're getting out of the sedan business. They are making SUVs and pickup trucks. And, and the Ford Mustang. And the Mustang. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, and and that's it. 
And but well, they it, make but sedans. They still make the Taurus. They're they're they're, they're discontinuing. They're all discontinuing of them. these cars. So when you discontinue major vehicles, um, you close plants, you restructure, you refocus. Um, so uh, in the in the 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 layoffs that I've read, at least in terms of the 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 plant activity, is that that these are temporary. You've got you've got excess you inventory. Believe that, you believe that these layoffs are temporary. You Absolutely. believe that in in terms of plant shutdowns, yes, they're going to pay these workers eighty percent of their regular wage and and no. and have the plant shut down for a month or six weeks. Yeah. Now, if they if they let some white collar people go because. They're Those not, tend to be more permanent than union jobs. Absolutely, and because you're not making sedans anymore, well, it it sort of goes with yeah. the territory. You're 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 reducing the your your product line, and that means that you don't need as many people designing upgrades yeah, for but, your sedans. But here's the identity it's crisis. It's also arguably trimming the fad. Yeah, uh, this this could wait, be a wait, rather wait. shrewd political move by Ford to uh, blame the administration for some of the cuts that. They're doing. Yeah, but, but but here's the thing, though, is, I mean, that could be the case. I mean, do you think that, do you think that the board at Ford Motor Company is savvy enough to make the middle management white collar reductions that they're talking about? A 12% reduction, by the way. These are the people that were Trump's base. And now they're turning around saying, "What do you? Why, Since when are white collar workers Trump's base? The, the the middle level management, the middle the middle level management that they're talking about in the auto industry, those are white collar, somewhat lunch pail type management. Lunch pail and white collar, I think, are different creatures. But, Not, we'll, but we work with me on this. <laughs> Just work with me. I mean, yes, we get the lunch pail Republicans. We get." The lunch pail crowd, those are the blue collar jobs. The shift supervisors, those guys tend to be more management. They're more middle income. And, but these are people that truly believe that Trump was looking out for them. They're not, this gives the impression that he wasn't. Yeah, I'm still not certain. I, I, I agree with the, the, the Trump politics and who he was looking out for. Trump consistently. Tried to identify with people who work for a living, and when I say that, I mean people who work with their hands. Are you saying that? Are you saying that mid-level management at Ford doesn't work for a living? Compared to people who like. are actually putting bumpers on cars and the, the people who really? who actually people who actually risk their livelihood from injuries <laughs> from the job is a different category than white collar workers. Wait, wow. wait, you're wow. saying you're saying wow. you're saying that robots are are Trump uh, so, supporters? <laughs> <laughs> While robots have displaced Automation. a, a, so a, a lot of blue-collar workers, so to, there are still blue-collar workers so needed to do some assembly. No, what he's so. saying is automation saves lives. Yeah, well, duh. <laughs> so so these companies have shrunk because of automation. It takes fewer people, fewer human beings, fewer ma- person hours to- I swear to, I'm going to stomp on that thing. To make a car. So- um, so that's part of what's going on. And then these auto manufacturers, look, the, all three of the, 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 US, the, the, the U.S.-based companies, General Motors, Ford, uh, and, and Fiat Chrysler, um, have shrunk enormously in, in size. Um, and the number two automaker in the U.S. now is Toyota. Number one is GM. GM. Ford has moved to three. Um, 
and and it it's the nature of the beast in that particular industry and as as we said before ford is getting out of the sedan business no more taurus no more fusion and that's going to be in the, the next couple of years they have what are regarded in the industry as not particularly efficient operations, both in the U.S. and in Europe. So they're restructuring. This was going to have to happen with or without the the steel and aluminum tariffs. I'm intrigued with Dan's suggestion that since they've known this was going to have to happen anyway, if they can lay off some blame for the 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 layoffs. Uh, or at blame, if you will, uh, attribution, rather than say, we didn't see this coming five and six years ago when we needed to 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 move forward wait, in reducing wait, our product line. Oh, wait a minute, can't and, you- and worth noting, they actually did. The, 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 the reducing the product line is something they've been talking about for a while. It was actually made official... Uh, an official announcement, oh. I believe, late last year. Yeah, right, I, I but, think, but wait a minute. I, I think but one of the things right. I, I think one of the things that we're missing here is the fact that one of the costs that they could not forecast is, in fact, the cost of aluminum and steel, which are key components for the building trucks and SUVs and minivans. But it also helped. It's the same cost for everyone else who manufactured yeah. in the United States as well. Yeah. So it. It's, no, no, I mean, it, it's it, not, every car is different. No, no, it, but it's not nothing. A lot of, I mean, they don't, they don't, the, the steel they use in their cars, as I understand it, is is American steel. The problem for them is a lot of parts that that are that are made from steel and aluminum are now more expensive. As Dan points out, it, it it's more expensive for anybody who produces that stuff in the U.S. So stuff then maybe gets moved overseas, but then we've got the new the. The NAFTPP, the the USMCA. Well, let me, the, the, let me the ask you this NAFTA, question though: uh, and, why and, and new rules that are going to be associated with those? Okay, but let me ask you this question: Why does Ford have to get rid of twelve percent of its mid-level management workforce when we see Volvo building a brand new billion-dollar factory in South Carolina? We're watching expansions of BMW, Honda, Toyota. All in the United States, Volkswagen, all in the United States. They're hiring people at the Chattanooga facility for Volkswagen. So, so as Alan's already addressed, we're talking about issue, issues of efficiency. So efficiency means the getting more out of what you have. And if you're acting inefficiently, so you have excess capacity, and if that excess capacity happens to be in the mid-level white-collar area— and to be clear, I am sympathetic for these folks that are being displaced. And is there I certainly no, hope is there no, that Ford is handling it well and allowing them to transition from those jobs. So is the argument that the opposition to Trump says that the that we are in an absolute trade war with China and, we are it's, in a gonna trade cost, war China. and it's gonna cost us jobs. It is gonna cost us jobs. Well, we have a we have a, a major manufacturer of automobiles, a major auto manufacturer saying the exact same reason, but what we're talking about now doesn't seem like we that's have the a, case. We have a booming economy that's been booming well before Trump entered the White House. And thanks to that, he gets a, a, a little bit more wiggle room as far as the mistakes he is currently making. The big question is, what happens when there's an economic hiccup? And that economic hiccup is not going to be inconsequential. So the deficit spending that we have going on right now means we only have so far to go for handling the economy in other ways. If there's an international event, 
whether it's North Korea, whether or not it's Iran, uh, the Russians could do something. There is no shortage of events that could fundamentally alter what the global economic picture looks like. The president's actions have seemingly made little better and put a lot more at risk for when something bad occurs. But Alan Moore, then I love it when Democrats talk about the deficit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not wait, saying wait, wait, I'm wait, more wait, intrigued wait, wait, that wait, wait, Republicans wait, wait. forget about the I, deficit I, I, when their guys in charge. I have, a ta- I have a tax bill that Trump signed that put us into the hole even I, deeper. I, I am not Let's saying be clear. I'm not saying that Republicans are oh. acting responsibly on deficits. I just love it when when every now and then Democrats will at least mention it as on. an issue. Oh, uh, anyway, Alan, here's. Last Here's what I don't... balance the budget was. Who? Oh, here we go. Enough, <laughs> enough. That's the second week in a row you've said that. I want to put you back in a cave the next time you say it. I, th- so here's the question is, the, the, the issue is that um, I keep hearing that the Trump tariffs are going to, you know, we're, we're talking about the trade war with China. We're talking about possible trade wars with other trading partners. The tariffs are going to kill jobs. Based on our discussion today, it sounds like that it, that argument's just smoke and mirrors, Ellen. Is there any truth to the fact that we are playing with economic fire by implementing the, this quote-unquote trade war with China? Well, there's China, and then there's the rest of the world. The the the, the Ford's steel, blaming China right now. Let's stick with aluminum. China right now, yeah, but, and then we'll go to the others. Well, but we but they're blaming steel and aluminum tariffs, and that brings in Canada and and, and Mexico and others. So, Ford has had known identifiable problems for years that have required them to announce, as Dan pointed out, over a year ago, or two even, we're going to get out of the sedan business. Um, the The market for SUVs and, and, and pickups is continues to be robust. And, and the gas prices are still, although they've been creeping up, they're still relatively low. People have jobs. They don't. They can fill up their gas-guzzling trucks and SUVs and enjoy them enormously. But by the, the way, the pickups also are the beneficiaries of a tariff <laughs> that protects them. They're they're correct, correct of of imported of imported trucks. Um, um, but but this kind of stuff it would have been occurring with or without a booming economy. Steel and aluminum tariffs do some harm at the margin, but that's not what the Ford story is all about. It's about realigning its operations, its production, its product line with what's going on in a very healthy market today, but a very competitive market. And the steel and aluminum at the margins, yes, but it's not the heart of the problem. Dan Lipner, are we... Are we dangerously close to seeing the – let me back up for a second. Are we close to validating Trump's economic policy overseas in trade? Because it sounds like to me that the his, his idea of bringing the jobs back to America, according to Trump, and that's eventually going to happen because nobody's going to want to trade with us. Well, no. <laughs> the w- we are still the 
largest economic creature on the planet. The Chinese are are are, are coming on our heels. That said, as far as the consumer market, the Chinese consumers still don't have the buying power the average American consumers do. So people are going to want to trade to us if for no other reason than to simply sell their stuff here. Yeah, but they can't afford it. Who can't afford it? If they're putting if they're putting tariffs on our products, can they can they afford to buy our stuff? At some point, all of us—the cell phone in my pocket that you are complaining the one, about, the one the that's going off right now—that is on the table between the two of you. While I have no doubt that there is some portion of that, both phones or all three phones that may have been made in the United States, not a huge part of it. That said, some por- portion of it. And the thing itself was sold here. And unless Apple intends on producing the iPhone entirely in the United States, Which people want cell phones. Right, right. Uh, I love Alan Moore. That last question, Alan Moore just got a cringe. Look, all my questions can't be home runs. Sorry. <laughs> you can laugh. It's okay, Alan. Uh, Let's try and get on base there. I, I know. Hey, look. You know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking ahead to game game four tonight. I'm thinking about all those past balls hey, oh, and wild oh, pitches. That, that's just not nice. You know why? Why do you have to be mean? That's just not. That's just <laughs> you, so not nice. You were opening up the, the, you didn't, the you baseball. Didn't, be, being mean, really? Pot kettle? Well, you were, uh, <laughs> you were, oh, there might be truth to that. There might be truth to that. Uh, Alan, more last question to you for the uh, before we before we go. Um, the is is there a real possibility that we have been underestimating Trump in this whole trade situation that? He actually might be crazy like a fox in all this? He's not crazy like a fox. He's lucky. Like a fox walking down the road and a squirrel falls out of a tree and and, and is stunned and he runs over to it. Um, the thing I worry about, as I talked about last week, is when we were talking about the, the, the revised NAFTA, the USMCA, USMCA. as it's called— um, because uh, remember, NAFTA was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. It, so, so he the worst trade uh, agreement in the history of the world got ten to fifteen percent better and became the best trade deal ever ever constructed. And it's uh, it's all nonsense. It's all salesmanship. It's it's that- right. It's right in 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 line with the way he talks. And I I fear thinks. And the and the the problem with getting the deal with NAFTA in Canada, along with all the positives associated with updating right. that agreement, is that for him it would appear to validate this talk tough, uh, embarrass your your trade partners, uh, force uh, threaten tariffs and and threaten to blow things up, and and I fear, I mean. Give him credit, as we did. We've got a new trade deal. It's better than what we had, A, and what it's really better than than blowing up NAFTA. Um, but but it, does this validate him? No, it does not. But I fear that he thinks it does. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not giving this. That was to a you. big wind up for. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll take a break. Yeah, no, it's time to take a break. We got other stuff we got to talk about. Uh, we're going to take a break. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live from Washington D.C. at Podcast Village. We will be back in two or three minutes. Stay with us.
Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics. With me, as always, Alan Moore, Dan Lipner. I am your moderator, Justin Russell. Uh, joining joining us right now uh, here in studio at Podcast Village here in Upper Georgetown is Brian Bowman. He is a reporter and editor for The Globe Post, an online publication. Uh, Brian, first of all, welcome to Backroom Politics. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. No, not a problem at all. Uh, Brian, uh, first of all, tell us about Globe Post, because this is an interesting kind of new media outlet that's kind of popped up over the past few years. Uh, Give us a little bit of background on this. What's the story on that? Yeah, so our publication was founded in 2016 by uh, Mahir Zinalov, who is a Turkish journalist um, who is living here in the United States, pretty much in exile. Um, He was sort of forced to leave, uh, flee uh, Turkey. Um, He is a personal enemy, I guess, of President Erdogan, and uh, many of his colleagues uh, have been imprisoned, and his friends back home, so. Okay, Uh, now, again, Turkey not known for its press freedom. Uh, Is, does he feel endangered? I mean, is, is this a situation where your publisher cannot go back to Istanbul or Ankara without feeling some sort of uh, threat of, of violence against him, or is his life in danger? Um, I mean, my understanding is that he, he certainly cannot go back to, to Turkey. Um, I, I know that he worries about um, his family, but I don't, I don't believe that he believes that his life is in danger here in the U.S. Really? Yeah. Uh, as a young journalist, and you, you've been doing this for how long now? Well, I was a journalism major in college, but I just graduated last year, so okay. I'm, I'm pre- pretty much brand new. Is So you've kind of come up in journalism the short time you've been in the business as seeing the attack from the White House and mm-hmm. Trump supporters as far as enemies of the state and evil. Has that discouraged you a little bit from wanting to be a journalist, or does that just encourage you even more? Um, I, I think it's a mix of both. Um, it's disheartening. Uh, it's saddening. It's frustrating. But um, at the same time, I, I think it does sort of like renew a sense of purpose. And um, yeah, I, w- I would say it's a mix of both. But I mean, every time I see the president speaking that way about uh, the press, I mean, my first reaction is always like, it's it's I mean, it's disheartening and, and frustrating, certainly. I, I mean, I have to ask the, the qualifier question here is, are you fake news? Uh, no, absolutely Are you sure? not. Um, is, sure. Is your outlet fake news? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll buy that. I mean, we we get called fake news. We're not news. I hope you know that. Yeah, I mean, what, what are you saying, dude? <laughs> no, we're like real. We're commentators, but we're not journalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killing me. That man. makes sense. No, that well, makes thanks sense. for coming. <laughs> <What>? Okay. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, here's why we're bringing this up, and here here's why I was intrigued on, on having you in here is, uh, we, uh. 
we are very close to several, all of us have friends in the media and obviously our new friend here. Um, but the, the situation that we're dealing with in Turkey with um, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who is, for those who don't know, uh, Jamal is a uh, writer for the Washington Post. He has been a long time public uh, critic of the Saudi Arabian government and the, and, the, and it's just a thorn in the Saudi royal family's side. Uh, they have really made it a point to do everything from try to discredit Jamal to actively try and get at Jamal and his family that still reside back in uh, the Middle East. And it appears, there's no confirmation, but it appears they finally got to him when uh, Jamal was in Ankara, and, or was it Istanbul? Istanbul. It was Istanbul. Yeah. Uh, when he went to the Saudi consulate in Istanbul to get a document that was required for him to marry his Turkish fiancée, he went into the consulate and has not been seen since Thursday. Um, for those out there who do not know, I am very much an active part of the National Press Club here in in. in in Washington, D.C. They have taken up the fight. Uh, journalists are up at arms. The Washington Post and Jeff Bezos has made it a point to bring this out. So here's the way I bring this out is, e- even though this is international, and we're seeing what Erdogan, Erdogan's never been a fan of the free press, but it now seems that this mantra of we can go after the journalists, we can threaten the journalists, I mean, being a journalist now is a dangerous business. Dan, I mean, why would anybody want to be a journalist today knowing that, you know, something that we hold sacred in our country in the First Amendment is now under, theoretically under attack, not just here, but globally? Well, for a starting point, it's worth starting with the journalism's always been a dangerous business, especially if you're talking international journalism and you're talking or, you know, the people who who uh, are investigating you know, crime syndicates in the United States. This is a hard job. And uh, the museum has a wall dedicated to those who have given their lives to the craft and the trade of journalism, because this is real work. And while here in Washington, D.C., yeah, it's talking heads. The actually running some of this stuff down and saying things that are critical of people that are powerful can be a risky endeavor. This administration and this president, using the kind of language that he does, seemingly meaning nothing here, and some people see it as just so gamesmanship in politics, it reduces the United States' ability and the American president's ability to critique foreign bodies when they go after legitimate journalism, as is arguably has happened in in Turkey via Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but, but Alan Moore, do you really expect the Trump administration and the Trump State Department? I, 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 I knowing Mike Pompeo the way I do, I, I would hope he would go after the Saudi government if they had any hand in this. Well, and it's looking more and more like they did. So, as as I think everyone knows, um, or as was reported, the the Saudis have apparently given permission to the Turkish government to go take a tour of the embassy 
and see if there's see if he's there, see if there's any signs, see if there's any video of him leaving. There's video of him going in. There's no video of him coming out. The the the, the Saudis at the consulate say no, he left. But there's no evidence of that. And his fiance was waiting outside for him, and he never right. showed up again. Um, so it's a big deal that if if, if they do allow uh, Turkish police to go in and look, that's highly unusual. But it's uh, something that the Saudis obviously realize they have a problem here. Um, uh, there's uh, you have to assume that if if the Turks uh, go in, they won't find anything. Um, the 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 problems of journalism, of journalists in America, are very different than they are uh, overseas, where you have authoritarian leaders like those in Saudi Arabia, for that matter, President Erdogan, Erdogan himself, right. who who has forced your, your <laughs> founder and editor uh, to stay out of Turkey. Uh, Khashoggi, uh, who's a thorn in the side, as we noted, uh, is not welcome in Saudi Arabia. It sounds like he may not be welcome in the consulate when he goes to try to get documents to uh, uh, to marry a non a, a non Saudi woman. Um, it's sort of two different issues, but they can. And it, it, we know we know that in Russia, um, uh, journalistic enemies of Putin uh, seem to have a, a right. an unfortunate habit of disappearing from time to time. Um, that's not happening in America. But when the president tries to charge up an excited and excitable crowd at a political event and point to the press and say they are our enemy. It is an invitation to ugly responses. Um, ugly yelling responses lead sometimes to ugly physical responses. Right. It's a dangerous matter, regardless of the stupid mistakes that that many American right. journalists often make. Right. Brian, I mean, have, have you felt the pressure of the um, – how do I even put this? I mean, have you felt the hostility when dealing with – work and dealing with either members of your family, friends, or just out in public doing your job? Um, certainly when you talk to some kinds of sources, you when you identify yourself as a journalist, you get you see this the reaction people sometimes um kind of tense up in a way that I think is unusual and that um maybe didn't have happen in, in different areas, especially when you reach out to conservative people. Um oftentimes they can be uh pretty reluctant to, to speak to you. Um, and I, I just want to say as well that um, I talked to some, in, in August for an article for the Globe Post, I talked to some people from the Committee to Protect Journalists and a few other press freedom uh, right. organizations. And they told me that um, they were concerned even back in August that Trump's rhetoric, you know, obviously enemy the people, all this kind of stuff about journalists, um, they thought that it could embolden uh, autocrats around the world to be even more... Um, Harsh in terms of uh, cracking down on freedom of the press, so it it seems to me to be a certainly a connection in this case. Is it you? You have not felt, or have you felt that your life is in danger doing your job right now? No, I, I mean I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I mean I think um, there I think there's reasons for American journalists to be um, uneasy about the the climate. I think it's certainly possible that something bad could happen to somebody somewhere um you know if you if you think of the video of, of an angry mob kind of surrounding jim acosta at a cnn uh while he was um covering a trump rally for cnn i mean you look at a situation like that and i think it's easy it's not a far stretch to imagine things getting pretty ugly in, in a situation like that 
Um, so I think American journalists, I mean, should, I mean, honestly, if I were more famous, I would probably be more worried for myself. But um, after the show, after the that's show, all going to change. Epic famous. <laughs> cool. Epic famous. Well, then then we'll see. You, um, you and Kanye can have it out on Twitter. How's that? that that's would, what I'm just saying. <laughs> that, that would be great. <laughs> uh, Dan Lipner, I mean, why would anybody want to do this job now? I mean, seriously. I mean, it's underappreciated. The journalists I know, I mean, like at, at like the regional papers, the the really hardcore dedicated journalists, not the the folks at the Times and the Post and NBC News aren't. We love our friends there, but I mean, I'm talking about people at the Standard Times in New Bedford, Massachusetts, or the Claremore Daily Progress in Oklahoma. They make crap money. And yet they still do this job. Why? I mean, so for me, I've never had the calling to be a journalist. Uh, Brian, please let me know if this is speaks to you at all. But as I understand it, part of that desire to be a journalist is first to be in the know, to be in the inside, to investigate, and then also to be the person that people look to to find out that information. That can be an intoxicating thing. Arguably, it's part of why we do the show because we like people coming to us for well, our insights in politics. We're talking heads. No, Dan. we are, we are talking heads, and but we are offering insights. But insights versus being in the know, having dug up a piece of information that nobody else had, and then being the person that conveyed that to the public—that's a thing. And is that part of what drew you to to uh, being a journalist? Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's certainly an, an, an excitement to that being on on the the front line of sort of getting information and, and reporting the news and trying to parse through um, what is true and, and what isn't. And um, I mean, ultimately, it's about informing the American people so that they um, can make decisions in like informed decisions in a democratic society. I mean, that's the ethos of, of journalism that they that they really drill into you um, in journalism school. And I think it's a it's a proud profession. Uh, are you are you hearing anything out of Turkey regarding Jamal's case? What do you what are you guys gathering from the situation there? Um, I mean, my perception is, I mean, I think if this if the Saudis can't prove that he left the embassy, then um, I think there there has to be some sort of consequences. I mean, I just don't, I can't see how the United States do can you really a situation think, do you like think this that stand. the Trump administration will enforce any type of sanctions or punitive action against the Saudi government if it's proven that they had their hands in this? Well, I hope so. I mean, I, I I can't say that I expect that from the Trump administration, but I do hope so, particularly because I think there has been growing um, tensions in, within Congress about Saudi Arabia. I think, you know, even before this incident, when you consider right. what's going on um, with Yemen, um, there's been a lot of discomfort um, in the way the U.S. has sort of given carte blanche to a regime that... Um, is a significant human rights violator. And I think there's a, um, a growing perception, a growing um, awareness right. of those sorts of facts. And I think if you take a situation that is just this, I mean, if the Turkish reports are true, something this heinous and, and this brazen, I would have to expect that an American administration uh, could not let that stand. But I can't say that I expect the Trump administration, based on what we've seen, you know, throughout his time in office, to to live up to that. And it's, he certainly hasn't lived up to what we would say are, you know, kind of liberal international norms uh, in the past. Alan, I, I throw that question to you: Is this administration capable of throwing punitive action 
against the Saudis if, in fact, they had something to do with the disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi. It, it is certainly capable, and the question would be, what are what are the Turks going to find, and what will we learn of what the Turks find? We have a, some, I mean, let's some, be clear about some one tension th- in our relationship with the but Turks But let's right be clear about one thing, that the, the key figure in us trying to find an endangered journalist is the Erdogan government yeah. in Turkey. Yeah. The irony in this is just epic. Yeah, right. But I'm not familiar with what the relationship between Turkey and Saudi Arabia is. And the assassinating somebody on your turf uh, is a big deal. And uh, Well, that creates a whole international incident that, quite frankly, the right. Erdogan so, doesn't so need. Erdogan's right. nationalism might trump whatever relationship there is no, no, with Saudi Arabia. It, it's a very big deal if they lean hard on saying, let us into your embassy which is sovereign territory, uh, or your consulate, sovereign territory of Saudi Arabia, they don't have to let them in. So first of all, you have to assume they're not going to find anything. Secondly, um, uh, it, it, it's hard to see a smoking gun emerge. However, that doesn't mean one might not emerge. Um, and if, if they could pin a murder let's say, or even a disappearance, but let's let's go farther and say we would find out that, that the man uh, met some horrible end and it's obvious that it was the, the Saudis. Um, I think the U.S. would, is, is perfectly capable of some kind of sanction. Having said that, we've got a lot invested in our relationship with Saudi Arabia. We're, we're not going to sever our ties. It's a... Awkward, Over the killing of an awkward. American journalist? No, no, I'm saying it. we're not going to sever, presumably. Right. Um, he's, I don't even know if Khashoggi's an American citizen. It doesn't matter if he's he is not. or not. No, so, he's not, yeah, but he's, an, he's, he's so, an American, he's in, employed so, by he's an American, American resident. Right. Too. No, no, yeah. I, I know that. All I'm saying is I don't, he's not a citizen, and that matters in, in these things. Um, he's also, I mean, this is, it, 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 we don't know enough yet. It looks highly suspicious. It looks ugly and messy. Um, and it's the kind of thing that we hate to have to deal with because right. we have to stand for something. And if you stand for something and that means some kind of sanctioning, right. then that interferes with everything else we have going on with the Saudis, which is a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, so shouldn't we, we shouldn't just... Dance past the a lot of stuff. The Saudis are also our anchor in the region against Iran. The Saudis playing playing nice with Israel. So are the, Cap- nice so the Kurdish Peshmerga, which that's been a nightmare. There's there's all kinds of factors. The involved. issues in Yemen. There's there's no shortage of issues at play. However, it's also worth noting, as I understand the the Saudi international relations, there's a lot of f- saving face at play as well. So. Getting caught with, assuming that the Saudis did an action to uh, bring about this gentleman's demise and got caught doing it, the Saudis do not like getting publicly embarrassed on the internet. I, I, I would like, I would, I would hope that the Saudi crown prince and the Saudi royal family, as rich as they are, would smarter than to take out an American employed journalist working for one of the strongest journalistic institutions in the country, taking him out in a consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, 
and trying to get trying to get paperwork so he can get married. That does not that's not a good good optic. And that's exactly why I think that if this is true, then it, I mean it's just so incredibly brazen that I can't help but drawing a connection between the signals coming out of the Trump administration on the issue of the press and a, a move like this. Because so you you feel that the Saudis read the quote unquote dog whistle coming out of Trump and they're going, eh, he won't care. Yeah, and, and maybe it's a it's sort of a an attempt at a litmus test to see how far they can go before the United States will push back. On, that is ungodly. On like that is ungodly disconcerting. That, I mean that's that's, that's that, horrible. Yeah, that's yeah I I I mean that's 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 uh, plausible. I think I think it may be more the case that that and if we really could pin a heinous crime on, let's say, people mm-hmm. at the consulate, then the Saudis would almost certainly have to sacrifice some people. They would have to pin the blame on some rogue folks. And depending upon how much those rogue folks really were responsible as rogues rather than following orders, we might or might not ever see them. Um, it, it's, it, it's hugely embarrassing to the Saudis if this can be pinned on them. They deny it. They're allowing access to their embassy. They think they can show no evidence. Right. Um, and if there were, if there is evidence, um, then then I, I I can see them having to decide we got to cut somebody loose here. This yeah. is too embarrassing. We have too much at stake with our relationship with the United States, with Turkey, and with others. Last question to you, Brian. Do you think that the situation with Jamal, in fact, puts tension between us and the Saudi royal family? It absolutely should. Um, Will it? I just, I, it's it's so hard to predict what how the Trump administration will react. I mean, I know the president has said he's commented on it vaguely, saying he doesn't like the situation and it's sad to him. But um, there hasn't been really stomping call for justice for Jamal no, yet either. I would have expected uh, the president of the United States to react by saying, right. if this is true then there will be consequences and that this is unacceptable. I would have expected, um, you know, at least a sort of tentative um, condemnation. I mean, I understand that they want to wait to see how it all plays out and all the evidence, but um, I I just would have expected more at this point because it's it's such an unacceptable and and brazen um, situation. Presidents are hesitant anymore to uh, draw red lines in the sand, though, let's remember. Well, especially, oh, wow. especially if somebody threw you a really big parade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm right. Not, okay. No. You know what's <laughs> happening here? This is a measuring contest. This was cute. I liked it. It was subtle. You have to like the subtlety of that. That was impressive. Uh, that being said. Um, That's what passes for subtle around here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, yeah in case you hey, Brian, uh, before we let you go, uh, yes. how do we find your work? Um, it is the theglobepost.com, um, and uh, I, have, I have a page there. If you, you have a page my, there? Oh, yeah. Which well, I'm trying line? to. I'm trying. Yeah, if you click under my byline, you can read all my stories. Okay. And uh, my Twitter is uh, at Brian Bowman fourteen Brian with a Y. Wow. And um, you going to you going to tell all your family and friends about our great show? How cool this is. Yeah, I'm, I'll tell them all. Yeah, you see? Yeah. Well, if you, by the way, if your boss wants to come on, we'd love to have him on. I would love uh, to talk to him. I would love sure. to talk to him. I'll let him know. Yeah, let him know. All right. Great. Brian Bowman with Post and Globe.
Thanks, my friend. Thanks so much, Appreciate guys. It. We're going to get a break. When we come back, uh, we we here at Backroom Politics use uh, a great partnership that we have or a great friendship relationship that we have with American University. Uh, we get several talented interns here that come through our doors, and they have to be evaluated. Well, unfortunately, Manny, it's your turn. We're, we have to go through your midterm exam. It's midterm exam time here on Backroom Politics. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back for the final part of our show today. Uh, always a great show, but as I said before the break, we, we've been very fortunate. We've had some very talented uh, students come through our doorways, who some who have become almost permanent fixtures. Uh, talking about you, Audrey Howerton, uh, some who have gone on to great things. Uh, Eric um, Eric Thomas, who's now a photojournalist up at the New York Post. Uh, we've got some that are even in law now. But our latest associate producer, we give him titles like associate producer because it's better than hate intern. Uh, and so here, Manny, first of all, mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better. I can barely better? speak. I'm sorry. No, just get close to the mic. There you go. Close. You're good. Okay. So in my in my box today, in my e- in my email box today at backroompolitics.org, which you can email me, Justin Russell at or Justin at backroompolitics.org, I have the professional extended services uh, evaluation midterm test. For one Manuela Calleja. That is you, correct? Yes, that is me. Okay. And you are a student at American University, correct? Yes, I am. All right. So let me ask you a question. How do you like your internship so far? How do you like being an associate producer for Backroom Politics? I love being an associate producer for Backroom Politics. with your evaluation in hand. That wasn't a setup, dude. (laughs) Wow. 
Wow. I, I mean, I, you got I, an A on that question. <laughs> <laughs> I hope are you, so. Are you, are you, I mean, are you learning something from this? Yes. Yes. Are you? A lot. A lot. A lot. Okay. I've never been um, very like involved in American politics since um, Venezuelan politics uh, are, like have been such a big part of my life. And now moving here and being part of the show, I've just learned so much, so much. I mean, I mean, does it? I mean, you just heard the the topic we were talking about. You know, journalists, you know, being under attack. Mm-hmm. You know, press freedoms questioned. Are you are you starting to really realize that we've got a good thing going here in the United States? Because you and I have talked about this, and you've literally looked at me and said, "If you know all these people that are whining and crying here in the United States." Go to Caracas and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Press freedom is not a thing in Venezuela. Like, it's really not. Um, you can go to jail um, for speaking against the government. Um, you can get arrested for no reason for protesting peacefully on the street. I've had friends who have been arrested. I've had friends who have been injured, kidnapped. Honestly, in Caracas, it's not a good situation at all. And then to come here to the United States and have all of these opportunities... Um, it's great. I want to say it's like one of the best opportunities that I've had in my life. Okay. Well, first of all, we are very fortunate. We love having you here. You've Thank been you. A I great, love being here. You've been a great addition to this. Uh, and you enjoy working with Audrey, obviously. Yes, Audrey, yes I do. Audrey, we miss Audrey. She'll be back yeah. after she comes back to D.C. in a few months. But we have to, we have to grade you. So okay. this is your midterm exam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Attitude towards work. Very passionate with everything that I do, so I think. Would I you give yourself an outstanding? Yes, I would. Okay, I give you an outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, dependability. I'm always here. You can always <laughs> reach me. She never actually leaves the studio. <laughs> I'm always here. Secretly, I'm always here. And that's more than some of us can that, say. I right? was gonna say, hell, she's gonna be here, and I won't be here next week. I'll be yes, in Albany. Yes, I'm gonna be. You're not yeah, gonna be here, and I'm yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah, here. All right, so so you should get an outstanding for that, yes, considering yes. that I will be in Albany next week. Yes. For those of you who care, <laughs> um, quality of work performed in the placement. How's, how do you feel your quality of work's been? You tell me. How do you think my quality of work has been? <laughs> I like it. I don't know, Alan. Uh, it is superb. Oh, would you give her an outstanding? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is a good one. Okay. I, 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 if, no, no, wait, wait. First of all, the two of you, just control your laughter. There are certain levels we can operate. Judgment. What do you mean? Her judgment. I mean, I thought you guys would have said, wow, her judgment's faulty. She took this job. <laughs> We're talking Kavanaugh judgment, Trump judgment. Oh, uh, her judgment. We're evaluating her judgment on how she does her job. You know, I I, I think Justin actually has a good point here. <laughs> <laughs> he invited her to work here, and she said yes. Yeah. What kind of judgment does that reflect? Yeah. I mean, she said yes on the spot. If, if your answer yes. is simply, I like beer, that forgives everything. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. You, know, you know what? Screw you both. <laughs> Screw you both. I, I, you know what? I liked you better when you were in the cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I gave you outstanding because you took the job. Yes, yes. I, I, I thought you have great judgment. Uh, initiative. I think I should get an outstanding on that too. Why? Because 
Because yes, because I think. Um, <laughs> because yes, because, because yes, it's not a good let defense. Me think, so just let me you. think. Let me think. Let the me correct think. answer is to grab the phone out of his hand, show that initiative, and <laughs> fill it out yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought just showing up. Showing up was yes, initiative. Yes. Oh, wait, wait! You're not supposed to be coached. We're supposed to be evaluating her. <laughs> you got nothing. I, I saw nothing in the in our waivers that said anything about that. Yeah, I mean teamwork. I gave her an outstanding. Yeah, you guys have to decide on that. Yeah, well, um, we've already. I've already decided. <laughs> You've got an outstanding on that. Uh, adaptability, flexibility. I think You've I've adapted. done a good job. You've, yes, you adapted pretty well. Mm-hmm. I've te- I've taught you some Spanish. <laughs> a little bit. I've helped you on that. How I can watch Sabre Gigante even better? <laughs> yes, yes, or reruns yes. of Sabre Gigante. <laughs> yeah. I was heartbroken when I found out that was gone. Uh, problem solving. Do you solve problems here? I don't think there are many problems here. Is that because you've wow. already solved them? Wow. <laughs> that was awesome. You know what? That was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> listening? She's outstanding. Okay. Overall. What do you think you should get as a grade? An A plus. Please. You are really not the most humble human being I've ever met. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Humility is not your strong suit, is it? What do you want? I mean, to, she's what do you want gonna, she's like, I'm not going to. I mean, why don't you just pick up the mic from the desk and just drop it? <laughs> if she were to say A or A minus, If B she had plus, said an A minus, I would have said, you know what? That's fair, but I think you've done a little bit better. But she came out and she's like, a you plus, always, baby? No, no. You Drop know what? You always have Trump. to She's ask like for the best. She's like <laughs> Kanye. No, 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 no. I'll talk radio. And we were asking her about initiative. That showed yes. initiative. It did? I'm yeah. gonna, I always have to ask for the highest offer and then, you know. Work your way down. Yeah, this uh-huh. is negotiating. This is oh, wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. That, that, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, right. I learned that in Venezuela. What do you think your grade was? An A. Everybody in the everybody in the booth is laughing their tail off. They think this is the most hysterical piece of radio they've heard in the studio. By the way, you did get an A, and oh, thank for you. that uh, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Really I am so grateful of being here. Yeah, and as well you should be. And we're getting the say, we're getting the high sign from uh, the folks in the booth. We got to call this first of all uh, on behalf of Dan Lipner, Alan Moore. Manny, again, thank you. Thank you, Uh, Audrey Harriton, we're going to have you plugged in next week because we miss you. And, oh, by the way, Deb Chandler, our executive producer, she's out in an undisclosed location in Western Virginia. We love her, too. And you can follow us on Twitter. You can listen to us live on Twitter, at Backroom Politic, every Tuesday, 4 to 6. You can also listen to our shows, which will be uploaded on Tuesdays and Thursdays on back on blogtalkradio.com and spreaker.com. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast systems like iTunes Podcast or Google Podcast or TuneIn Radio. Any of them where you pick up your favorite podcasts, you can pretty much catch us. And you can email me. Follow us on our website, www.backroompolitics.org where you can get From the Cutting Room Floor, written every day by Audrey Howerton. And you can email me, justin at backroompolitics.org. We will see you next week, America. Have a great one.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.